Last week, on the Lords of Grantham podcast, we covered the Gilded Age, Season 1, Episode 7, Irresistible Change. In that episode, Rakes made a proposal to Marion. He, he wants to marry her, he wants to get with her. Uh, meanwhile, Miss Turner, the lady servant to Bertha, she got sacked. And George is under scrutiny and may go to jail, uh, because the train derailed. And also Thomas Edison turned on a bunch of lights. Uh, we'll follow up on all that and more this week on the Lords of Grantham podcast. We are, we are all innocent. We are all innocent. We are, we are, we are. And, well, for two or th- three more weeks, we're back with the Gilded Age. Three more weeks? What do you mean? Next week's the last episode. But then we gotta, you know, we've gotta ride this high. We need to keep people oh. on for the seri- the season breakdown. Right, right. So we recap the season after it's over, talk about the highs and lows, and then have the end of season uh, power rankings, of course. For, for once, we could actually speculate what season two will be like without knowing that part of our listenership has already seen it. Yeah, we, we won't have actually seen the, the season. We're, we'll be waiting like everyone else. So, yeah, we'll we'll see about that. Yeah, but before we get there, anything, any new, any news in the world, Corey? I know there's a big piece of news that we got to talk about. Right. Well, let's just get to it. I shared it to our Lords of Grantham Instagram story. Uh, it appears that Focus Features has taken it upon itself to launch the official Down Abbey podcast. <laughs> These people, Dave, the 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 the, the gods. <laughs> yeah. Seriously, like, I mean, I get it. I get it. <laughs> they, they want their own officially branded podcast and everything. It's like, we've only been on this corner for years. Not even a this knock out our four, door. Four years and change. Yeah. Been at it for a while. We talk about Julian every single week, and these people just come in and act like there's not even a podcast around to even talk about this stuff. You well, know? that's what they got to say official. They can't just be the Downton Abbey podcast because they know. I don't even they, know if they know the, of us. I'm not sure if they do. I think somebody in that focus they, they features did a who who did a, a tertiary search for Down Abbey podcast saw us. We're we're <laughs> they said we're no, not hi- we're absolutely not, not to these guys. <laughs> I mean, they probably I mean, saw us the- and said the gimmick is that we're American men covering this mm-hmm. show meant for a, a totally different target demo. And they said, eh, maybe not these two. <laughs> Well, I mean, uh, we also may be on our high horse, because Dave, guess where we are when you search Downton Abbey Podcast on Google, where, where we are in the rankings exactly. On Google? Just like the search yeah. engine? If you just Google search Downton Abbey Podcast, where do we land? Not, not. I would say probably not too close to the top. We are number 10. <laughs> but that's, I mean... That We're people... behind Ring for Tea. They haven't even done Downton Abbey. In, well, we, I guess, to be fair, we don't have Downton Abbey proudly in our banner, you know, we say the Gilded Age first, so we are well, kind that, of Well, that changes according to what we're watching. I always yeah. adjust according to what we're watching to get more attention. But number one that shows up when you search uh, Down Abbey Podcast is Up Yours Downstairs, which I have never heard of. I believe that's the uh, one that the Jeopardy champion was the host of. Oh, okay. So, uh, uh, Shriver, Shriver who, who won like a record second to Ken Jennings amount of money, so that totally makes sense that that one is that high up. Well... For them, they uh, haven't had an episode since January 2021. Uh, but they did take was, a similar She was on Jeopardy. She was in the public eye. They, they took a similar path of watching The Crown as us and, and all that uh, and call the midwife. So, they, yeah, similar concept. But I guess 
I get it. You know, focus features were like two American white dudes. What do they know about this? And then that's the whole hook of our show. <laughs> we're just nobodies who know nothing about anything. We just like the show and finding entertaining. So understand the choice. But you it's just, see, you know, you see the same damn. thing with the, the Gilded Age podcast and you see the same thing with, I think, a lot of corporate run podcasts that mm-hmm. the intention is there to sort of make an organic product. But you can't go all the way with it. You can't be critical. You can't say the wrong things. And we keep it raw here. We, we keep, keep it real. Oh, sure. <laughs> we keep a relevant <laughs> we, we real deal. Back. When Julian isn't doing right by us, we, we let him know. Yes. And also, I think this needs to be taken into account that the idea of doing the mobile podcast from remote locations was is, mm. is still kind of seeping its way into the more mainstream podcast world because before covid we were recording you would come from new york to connecticut once or twice a Uh month and we would burn through two or three episodes a weekend Mm -hmm. so i think the the real world is finally saying that we don't need michelle dockery in the same room as julian fellows to get a conversation with the two of them yeah i mean that that's the big hook of their podcast too is they're going to have actual people involved with the show who will be interviewed on, on their podcast so you know, years of us begging for them to come on here didn't happen. But you know, I I won't I won't say like don't go listen to them. absolutely listen to it. I mean, I'm curious to hear what they have to say. But at the same time, hey man, we've been doing this for years and we're gonna keep on doing it. Yeah, That's people, what we're doing uh, our friends in the Lords of Grantham Lounge on our Facebook group, our Patreon Facebook group, have asked us what our course of action will be. And I think the easiest course of action that we can say on our end is. That we suggest that if, if all of you listening who have been longtime fans of ours, if you want to see us get involved with Downton Abbey Official, tell them, tell them, because we can only do so, we can only toot our own horn so much. But if our yeah, fan base I mean, say. I mean, it's one thing to get guests like Hugh Bonneville and Laura Carmichael and Michelle Dockery on their podcast, it's another to get guests like us. Well, I mean, the podcast. Gilded Age podcast does a good split of like a conversation with an expert and then someone who's mm. involved with the show. Sure. So if there's a world where this podcast is part fan service, part interview, then bring bring in the fans, the qualified fans. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, I assume we're not going to wind up on the Downton Abbey official podcast. And if that's the case, we're going <laughs> to delete our, us here. We're going to delete our, our backlog. Yep. We're going to dump out all the Downton Abbey gin that we have left. We're going to burn the board game. We're going to mm-hmm. not see the movie and we're going to call it quits. Yep. But until then, you can find us here. Covering the Gilded Age. Covering the Gilded Age, at least for the next few weeks, until we go back to Downton, perhaps. Um, mm. No other news from the, in the world of our, our shows, programs? I mean, what else could have happened this week, really? That's true. Probably a lot, but... I didn't, well, there was actually a Bridgerton Season 2 uh, trailer that dropped, Dave. I did not watch uh, it. I gotta watch it. I have I've not watched it either. Uh, just because I figure we'll get to Bridgerton again when we get to Bridgerton. Uh, so That's if sad. you want to hear us, if you want to hear us react to the Bridgerton season two trailer, let us know and we'll watch it. But until then, it's on ice because things are heating up on the Gilded Age. That's true. We need to get to yeah, that. We're, we're tucked up in Newport. <laughs> yep, season one, episode eight. Where do we want to start in this episode, Dave? I think we got to talk about your boy. Well, no, no, let's actually, we'll do that second. I, I want to say, you know, for the past few weeks, I've been, we've been going back and forth as to what's going on with Mr. Bannister. Who's he going to get revenge on? And, and Dave, you were right. 
it looks like he's got it sussed out that Mr. Church was the one to uh, expose him to uh, Agnes. I, I was I was incorrect, man. I'm sorry. Good little mic drop moment for me right now, currently. <laughs> and Mr. Bannister yeah. in the episode. How, how happy were you when, when you saw this? I, I wasn't happy. I, I, feel, I was like, this is what happened. I... <laughs> Right, so so just to jump ahead, um, Mr. Bannister, it's almost like a very much a background thing where Agnes won't talk to him based on you know him serving the Russells for that one luncheon, uh, and he makes a point to go across the street and say hello to Mr. Church and let him know that you know I guess you weren't getting too long about that Miss Turner who got let go. Seems like uh, some things were were off there and. Uh, <laughs> Mr. Church is like, why are you over here? Why are you talking to me? Bannister's like, no reason. No reason. He's like, maybe not everybody's who they say they are, Church. Yeah. So that's going to be a huge payoff for next week. I'm looking forward to how Mr. Bannister is going to get one over on Mr. Church, who think already seems downtrodden enough. I don't think it's going to be a fight. He's too An fast old man that. fight? <laughs> that, I'd pay for that. I mean, that, that'd be fun to watch. But... I, yeah, I, how do you think he's going to get even with him, Dave? Well, who's getting even with who? Because now Ban- now Church is back on the defensive against Bannister. I feel like Church has just had a bad run of luck, so I don't want to see Mr. Bannister get it in for him, honestly. But do you like Mr. Church? Because I don't like Mr. Church. Yeah, he seems like perpetually surprised by everything that's going on. Like He's like, <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing here. I'm trying my best. Uh, so I just kind of want him to get his act together and do his job i have a feeling he's gonna i think this is gonna be a real moment and, and we'll talk about plots on this mm-hmm. on the houses across the street from each other but i can see mr church not coming back for season two and getting fired it's kind of wild how after miss turner got sacked last week we thought well maybe there'll be some like lingering thread for her to come back but no no sign of her as of this now week. as of now yeah give her some time um but as, as you said, Dave, my boy, as, since we're covering the downstairs, uh, Watson, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, peeping again. <laughs> so I think it was either episode four or episode five. They really let this run cold for so long. We, we had seen Watson staring across the street at some uh, rich lady entering a house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so yet again, we see almost... Uh, beat for beat the same scene where he he's peeping behind a horse he, he's watching and she sees him and, and you know she sends her helper over there like bring him over here and she's like what do you want and, he, and he, he's like what, what do you mean and she's is pretty direct <laughs> like, i've seen she's you like, here before yeah you were, you were right over there you're here like every day peeping on me weirdo um and he's like you don't notice me you don't recognize me it's like why would I recognize you? You don't have any hair on your head, man. You, f- you fade into the background unless you're peeping at me. Mm-hmm. And he says, Collier. Ta- and he's talking to Flora. He's trying to, re- he's, he's, that's how he's referring to her, Flora. And she doesn't want anything to do with it. And she goes into the house and that's it. <laughs> that That is it. And that's all. Yeah. It's... What do you think is going on there, Dave, with Watson? I have no clue. Do you think he's like an offender? Like they actually have like some kind of like uh, courtroom uh, thing put out against them to keep their keep their distance. This episode throws a lot of of like personal tropes around, 
and we'll mm-hmm. unpack more of those as we talk about the episode. So I'm really curious. We've got, you know, the one guy who's done something bad to another guy and is getting exposed. Not to mention Turner's already gone, someone who's done something offensive. We got yeah. the secret relationship. We've got another, you know, the, the secret marriage, all these things going mm-hmm. on. So I'm, it's going to have to be something interesting, but this could also be like a Julian red herring where it's just like oh, yeah. his sister-in-law or something like that. Yeah, so the, although I, I would hope she would recognize her like her brother-in-law or something. Something. Or brother or family member. Um, maybe just grow your hair back, dude. Put on a wig. Maybe then she'll recognize you. Um, maybe. But Dave, you want to talk about your boy? Which one? Which M- one's my boy? Monsieur Badem. Oh, yes. There's a lot of one-scene wonders in this episode. It's not even a scene. It's like, That's charitable. It's, it's like half a scene. Yeah, it's a Going on ones. amidst the banister sequence. Mm-hmm. Someone just yelling at the monsieur. Did that happen? Because I rewound the scene and I didn't see anything. No, yeah. There's there's people like they're talking in the background. Oh, oh, oh. So it's very much in the background. But they, they, then they... Who is it that says, Mr. Baudin? Yeah, they bring it what, up. What were you doing? What were you doing over there? And he just gets up and leaves. Yeah, he won't answer the question. Watson asks him, like, "Yeah, what could you have gotten up to?" And he's like, like "All these characters are like, well, what are you doing when no one's looking? What are you doing when no one's looking?" And that's it for Monsieur Baudem. I mean, aside from was it this week? He he had some time to catch up on the menu prep. <laughs> that, that that was it. And that's all for the quadrille or whatever. It what, is. What, what what do you think could potentially be his secret that he's harboring? There's too many secrets in this show. I don't care what. Do you think he's French? Is. Do you think he's actually oh. like American? Oh, that would be a great reveal that he's actually like some real bad cook. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's not even from France. Um, I wouldn't surprise so, me if he wasn't French. I, I hope they just kind of keep he's, doing this. He's it, from Detroit in real life. The actor? Yeah, <laughs> that's because like Deuce that's Bigelow rich. too. Is he really? Oh, he's got a really interesting IMDb history. <laughs> can we can we just get him like um just talking in a Detroit accent next week or something? Just, yeah, just make him go home. That would be a fun one. I, I would I would really appreciate that. But he's like a real really good French cook who's just from Detroit. Yeah. That that'd be that'd be classic. But I hope that even in the finale, they just kind of keep this up where they just introduce plot lines <laughs> within like 30 seconds for us to just think about. <laughs> just keep it going. Yeah, just, just keep these little tags open for season two. Yeah. Uh, why don't we get to John or Jack or whatever you, you want to call him? Yes, there's two Johns to talk about this week. So let's let's do Jack. Because we were making the Jack, I mean, the, the joke, sorry, that his name is Jack Reacher, which is what it's listed as on IMDb, but now they've taken to calling him John repeatedly. And, and I think that's I had, a bit on Agnes misnaming him after the Bannister situation. That's what I thought, too, but then they refer to him as John downstairs as well. And even when they're at the grave site, they refer to him as John, and I had to look it up, and that was a thing back then where Jack was more of a nickname for people named John. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I, I guess his real name is John. But it's the difference, you, yeah. So it's kind of like a Tom Barrow, and you know his birth certificate says Thomas Barrow. Yeah, I mean, it just seems like Jack is a bit of a reach from John, but but that's how it was, I guess, back then. Yeah, <laughs> you, you can yeah. get away with that. Uh, so by that same token, you can call me Carlos. You don't have to call me Cor- Corey anymore. I, sure. 
<laughs> that, that, I don't know. But now, don't know. now Julian will come knocking for representation to get a car <laughs> These guys are killing it. Um, he's carrying around flowers this episode, though. Uh, I, I, this was the most... I knew exactly what was happening from the beginning. 100%. I <laughs> did not need like any slow reveal or anything. It's like, of course he's not seeing a girl. Like, there, there's been no build or anything. What would be so interesting to see that he's like kissing a girl? Although, I actually kind of would have preferred if he was like stealing kisses in, in, during lunch break. That'd actually be kind of funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then he just keeps showing up with flowers because he's trying to impress a girl because he only has like 15 minutes to see her <laughs> per he's day. like Tom Rake kind of. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's just trying to work his way up. But, of course, that's not who he's trying to see. And it's funny, you know, as much as Bridget was not interested in John or Jack or who, what have you, she is interested to see who he's delivering flowers to. Mm-hmm. And the person he's delivering flowers to is none other than his mom. We even get a whole scene of her following him through the streets, which we do not need. No. <laughs> it's, it's like almost, it almost feels like HBO was saying, look, Julian, we, we cut you some slack with these 45-minute episodes. Can you just bump it up to 49 can we just give us a couple more minutes yeah, of content? Yeah, can you just have her walk 15 paces behind him with nobody else around them? Yeah. Um, and he knows she's there the entire time. As he's putting down the flowers, he, he's like, you can come out now, Bridget. I can see you over there. The, the, tr- the tree is really skinny. You're standing right there. The second you put any sort of gravitas in this young actor's hands, what is his name? Ben Allers? Oh, yeah, yeah. He's a... Julian was really grasping at straws to cast these people. He, he, I don't think he's his accent is rough. Yeah, yeah, it's something else. Um, but he tells the story that his mother died at age thirty, burned to death when he was nine, uh, at the Pastigo fire, and she's like, "I never heard of that." And he's like, "Yeah, because the Chicago fire happened the same day in eighteen seventy one, which okay, so that's eighteen seventy one. He was nine then. I think we're, that means this is eighteen eighty two. We're being led to believe he's about." 2021 here and uh yeah they, they mentioned a couple times yeah Pashtigo fire never heard of it she's dead either way his dad died five days later because five, five years, years later, later yeah part of me that'd be insane if he just died five days later out of nowhere uh, he kept coming back to where she's buried drinking uh or I, I don't know if he's actually said drinking but you can almost surmise five years is pretty quick and he just couldn't stand to be without mm-hmm. uh, his mother. Broken heart. So, so since she, th- they both passed away, he's kind of returned to this every week of the month that she passed away, which is a heck of a commitment there uh, to keep showing up every week. Yeah, and it seems like it's a far trip, right? Yeah, I mean, he walks for multiple scenes here in this episode to get there. Yeah, it's like it's like a video game. You got to track somebody. <laughs> Just keep following them. Yeah, I mean, I don't know too many... I mean, they've probably gotten paved over, but I don't know too many graves here in new york city itself aside from up in the bronx i think paved over that's, that's that's some bad juju yeah who knows There's some gilded age ghost jack treacher's mother's ghost is haunting Treacher. everybody yeah but uh he also has two brothers he lost touch with we'll see if they show up at some point but that, that's it that's all of to this episode story but a lot of clearly, time <laughs> a lot of time a lot of time and Clearly, uh, Julian is trying to bring them together by both being orphans, more or less, or not having their parents, or just, or what was it? Or she had bad parents. The the dad beat her, right? Or assaulted her? Yeah, sexually, potentially sexually more than that. Her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, either bad parents, no parents in the picture. So they'll come together at some point. Nice, nice work, Julian. You did mm-hmm. it. <laughs> 
He patted himself on the back for that one. Oh, he loved it. He loved writing this one. He had the time of his life. He's like, to be yeah. a child again at my mother's grave. <laughs> you think that was a thing that Julian did as a child? He visited his mother's well, grave? Well, I mean, I don't a 20-year-old, think... for him, at 70-something, yeah. he, he, does, he might take glee. In might. His mom still, may still be kicking. Who knows? That he's, would be funny. <laughs> <laughs> um, the last thing I guess we can tick off from, from downstairs, more or less, is uh, Miss Armstrong. This is a pretty hefty plot, though. Is it? But I guess it is kind of simple. Yeah. Uh, you know, she has had it out for uh, Peggy for, for some weeks. Mm-hmm. Just because uh, it seems like the special treatment that she gets, she doesn't appreciate that. And so what does Miss Armstrong do? Uh, Dave, take it away. We got Mr. Rakes coming in, into the basement. In a real rush. With a letter. And we see that Peggy, it's the letters for Peggy, and then when Peggy reads it, she feels like it's been tampered with. Mm-hmm. Small tear in it. And she says, Mrs. Armstrong gave it to me, I think. Mrs. Armstrong read my note. Yeah. And then the and floodgates find- open. Finally, we get to know what Mr. Rakes has been up to. Or, I mean, or what Ms- Peggy's. Yes, we know Peggy's history and by way of Mr. Rakes' work for her. Yeah. I did not see that. I mean, I, I saw something similar, but I didn't see this in this capacity being what happened. No, no. They really lay it out there. So Peggy was married at one time to an Elias Finn, a guy who she had mentioned before taking a shine to her. Mm-hmm. Got pregnant. Uh, baby died upon birth. Mm-hmm. And she since moved back home or, or you know, or yeah, she, she'd been back home. Yeah, and her um, father basically nullified the marriage and had um, yeah. Finn sign a document saying that, you know, it was not a true marriage. It's been, it's it right. it, it, is, it is as if it never happened. Because he didn't improve with this guy. He, he didn't know how to read. Uh, it didn't seem like he'd be uh, successful. So he did not want him in the picture. Which is, I think, a very good... Uh, depressing and sad subplot mm-hmm. but to, uh, this is a good subplot to have in black characters to know that sure. their classism exists within that culture as well oh yeah and i think that's one thing that julian is really doing a good job of putting light on is shedding light on is that this classism is not just a white people thing it's everybody you know rich and poor mm-hmm. and marrying for love and marrying for status are still very relevant across cultures so this Finn did not meet the requirements of Mr. Scott. Nope. And so she's been working with Rakes to try and find the midwife who helped to, to carry the baby uh, just to find, kind of figure out, I guess, what happens. It's, it's not really clear to me why she wants to find that midwife. Is she looking for Finn or something? Is he on the run? I'm not, I, I was a little confused. I, I think she, she had mentioned at one point that she wanted to find the midwife because that would know she would know what happened with the child exactly. Mm-hmm, maybe, or, yeah, maybe just like the uh, grave or something. Yeah, exactly. So that's what she's had Rakes trying to do is trying to locate her. But as we hear, uh, Rakes has been unsuccessful in helping her out with that. Great. Another notch on his, his character sheet. Yeah. I wonder how hard he's been trying to help her out. I mean, it's been multiple weeks here. And we know for a fact he's been busy gallivanting around the, the city, so. Yeah, and I mean, just to wrap up Peggy there, uh, and, and Armstrong, 
so Armstrong read this note, this note, and mm-hmm. all, the only details that she really gleaned from what was in there from Rakes was that there was an illegitimate child potentially, mm-hmm. uh, and, and she shared that news with Agnes. And when Marion or when uh, Peggy divulges to Marion, Marion's like, "You gotta tell this to Agnes immediately, because you, you can't let this like spiral and stuff." And so, regrettably, she has to tell this whole story. Uh, but they understand. Um, but Peggy does not feel like she belongs there anymore. It's clear that Armstrong doesn't want her around, and there's a bit of shame, I guess, with people knowing her history and stuff like that. Yeah, and she she feels that she should just get out of there before she even tell you know tell Agnes and quit. But then Agnes mm-hmm. says, "What can I do to persist you per, you know, persuade you to stay?" Yeah. And Peggy's like, "Not that easy. There's just so much going on." And. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's a nice moment with Aunt Agnes where she like holds her hand, tells her, you know, yeah, they're everything's gonna she, be. She references that she had lost a child too, mm-hmm. which even surprises Ada. She wasn't even aware of that. Um, yes, th- this or, is funny because it, it is one of those moments where you know, and basically we see that Armstrong has given her narrative to Aunt Agnes and is embarrassed when she finds out and sort of in the moment shamed in her own right. Yeah. And then we, you know, Peggy's just like, I got to go. This is, this is a white person who's doing this. I'm going to disrupt the downstairs even more. She gets sacked because of what I did. And we see Peggy's mom is just happy to have Peggy back. She's glad to welcome her back home. And then we see a nice little moment where they bring up Marion and Peggy says, well, you know, at the end of the day, we wound up as friends, despite the fact (laughs) that she came over here with old boots yeah, this ignorant woman. <laughs> yeah, that 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 Daffy Dill. Yeah, yeah, we're friends now. Um, but yeah, Armstrong isn't sacked, and Agnes makes a point to Ada that she's old, and having to train someone to to learn her ways and stuff just isn't worth the the hassle. So just for the best to keep her around. And I don't know about you, Dave, but just thinking back to Armstrong's situation with her mother in the the tenement home, yeah, I did feel a twinge of, of like. I don't even want to say sympathy, but empathy of like, man, that's going to be like rough for her if she were to lose that job. That that would not be great. <laughs> as bad of a person as she's been. Yeah, no, I think what happened, I think Armstrong is the one that tries to bring back Peggy. That's got to be the play, right? You don't have the tenement story hmm. to have her but be does, a full I mean, on bad person. But does Peggy need uh, Agnes and Ada and all of them? Peggy needs to be in the house to move the plot forward, I think. Yeah, because this show it can't it can't pretend like Peggy can just be friends with Marion. Sure. Maybe maybe the the way back in is she gets with Oscar. Maybe maybe, maybe that's how. <laughs> Imagine. I, honestly, aside from working for them, I mean, how else are they going to keep her involved in the show? She. I mean, we got one more otherwise... week to find out. I think she's she'll be back on next week. I don't have any doubts okay. about that. <laughs> or maybe she gets with Rakes. I wouldn't be surprised. Let's get to Rakes, man. The guy is getting around. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, early in the episode, Miss uh, Fane takes uh, Marion aside and tells her, are you good with Rakes? Because this guy's been around. He's been okay? showing up. Yeah. Uh, I was at the, the lighting last week, and he was talking, and Marion reassures her, no, I'm good. Rakes I'm good. is a good man. Yeah. Like, eh, you sure about that? And I forget where it happens in this episode, but 
Rake stops by again and reassures her, like, you know, we're going to get married, right? <laughs> Doesn't she go to his office or something? Is that what it oh, is? Oh, right. She, right, so that's the thing. Is So the, the letter comes, because uh, Marion's talking to uh, Peggy about whether to accept his advances and, and marry him or not. And then the letter comes for Rakes, and she assumes it's for herself, but no, it's for Peggy. So I think, mm-hmm. yeah, that leads her to go visit him at the office, and that's where he reassures her that, no, I'm down. I'm still down. Yeah. Except there is something strange about the way he enters in the episode at the top of it to deliver that, that letter for, for He's Peggy. just afraid of Agnes at that point. I was, I was more worried oh, when he okay. like closes the office door on Marion. is like, what are we going to do? Are we going to elope? And Marion is yeah. totally on board, and she's she says over and over again that she's wants to marry. You know, she wants to marry for love, sure. and she's done looking for the approval of Aunt Agnes, so she should just get married. Yeah, I, I miss that. Where um, uh, what should I call it? I, I didn't pick up on that detail that he was trying to avoid Agnes, which is totally valid because uh, she is scary. Uh, so. Yeah, ball is still rolling with Mr. Rakes. I mean, we get some brief interaction with Marion and uh, Larry this episode where she walks with Oscar because they're going to Newport. And mm-hmm. Oscar's going up with Larry. And she says, oh, hello, Larry. And he says, hello. And that's that. Again, <laughs> not great. This show, I mean, I feel like the older generation um, of all the characters are well acted. But a lot of these younger actors are really lacking in my book and Larry sure. and Marion together. Mm-mm, not for me. Yeah. And is that it for Marion this episode? It's not Marion. Yeah, because episode. she doesn't get, she does not get invited to Newport. Newport. She's getting no. further and further pushed away. Yeah. So, uh, do you want to talk well, about Oscar? Want... Yeah. Let's talk about Oscar. We see the episode starts with him and John Adams. Mm hmm. Who I had to look up. He in in this show, he is the great grandson of John Quincy Adams. I think that they explained that at one point. Okay, just reaff- reaffirming that, which is again following up on what we were saying last week. Kind of heinous how Julian is just inserting potentially real world folks. I couldn't find any history on this John Adams on, on Google. I'm su- I'm surprised the Adams family, not the Adams, not Gomez Adams, mm-hmm. the John Adams family has not been like, hey. Just so you know, this is not affiliated with us. I mean, who are who are? But then again, that would be a very homophobic thing to do. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Um, I mean, I guess I could look up where the Adams family is today and everything, but I'm sure they don't care about this tertiary character in the background. But there is just something funny about how Julian is just picking up real world people and just inserting them into plots, especially as lovers of others. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So so strange. I can't wait for from years from now when Julian's grandchildren then write stories about us. (laughs) <laughs> and just insert us into things. Yeah, just as, as these men tried to murder man. my friend. <laughs> yeah, they slandered him on a week to week basis. So some murder plot that that we conducted or came up with or something. It's like that never happened. But you know, they creative liberty. Um, yeah, so we basically see that John Adams is starting to get a little frustrated with Oscar, mm-hmm. and that he knows that this is the sort of way that Oscar has to lead his life, but he's just not on board. And Oscar says, uh, I'm going to Newport. And John's like, well, let me come. And he's like, are you serious, dude? Yeah, because Larry's going to uh, invite him, and Gladys is going to be there. And he's like, you're going to go on again with her? And he's like, yeah. You wouldn't? I, I still, yeah, last week was just a temporary setback, which is so funny because he said he had another plan in, in mind 
kind of like winking at the camera. And now we don't know what that plan was exactly. I yeah, I have no idea. Maybe it was Marion. Maybe. Uh, but oh man, I don't know about that. <laughs> but uh, in, in that restaurant, John Adams says to Oscar, "I love you," and he's like, "Shh, come on, man." So what are you trying to get us killed? Yeah, straight up. You can't say that too loudly. And I was kind of like taken aback. Like, why would you say that so loudly? A, you're an Adams. B, you're gay. Look at, yeah, like the time. That's that. You're literally risking your livelihood and Oscars as well. Mm-hmm. But I understand the frustration there. That's that's got to be tough. But he's got a plan in mind. Yeah. So Oscar goes to Newport, and we'll be jumping to and from Newport over the next couple plot lines. Mm-hmm. And we see him playing tennis. Yeah. And is, is he the one that gets smashed in the face with the tennis ball? <laughs> yeah, he does briefly. I was wondering if that was a blooper or if that was supposed to happen. Uh, but he's tag team with Gladys. And they're playing and, against uh, Larry and somebody else. Yeah, uh, Larry and I think Aster. Yes, the little Aster. Yeah. Uh, Gladys says that Oscar was doing most of the work. Uh, he looks young here. He looks limber. Oscar, you, you would not know his age. And uh, John Quincy Adams rolls, or not John Quincy Adams, <laughs> everyone's favorite president with uh, mutton chops. Uh, no, John Adams rolls up, and he's like, what's going on here? And it was, if this was today, he'd just put his arm around Gladys and be like, hey, what's going on? Because uh, he, he, he starts, like, you know, talking to her and, and showing interest in her. Yeah, and we see that Oscar's shook. Yeah, he, and he anticipate this. I mean, John Adams is, is a... He's a hunky dude in this he's show. A hunk. He's, he's, he's absolutely 100%. He's a big man. He could literally break uh, Oscar in two if he wanted to, I bet. Maybe he does. <laughs> he may He may do that indeed. Um, but there's a dinner later that evening. Yeah, we see Miss uh, Ms. Fish is around yep. stirring the pot. She's in the first episode. She, she's back. She sees him and she's like, I want him there too. Mm-hmm. And he's like, okay, well. I'll be there. And Oscar's like, said, what are you doing, dude? Are you serious, man? Yeah. <laughs> and John Adams is like, I'm not gay, bro. I'm, re- I'm really into this. <laughs> like, I'm going to try this. <laughs> I'm going to try this out. It may work for me. I need money too, man. You're not the only one who needs money. Mm-hmm. Um, and Oscar says something along the lines of Bertha. Like, we need to keep her close to the, the chest or whatever. We need to guard her. We need to guard her. And Bertha's like... I need to guard her. You can do whatever the hell you're doing, dude. Yeah, I mean that is a funny moment because aren't they the same age in real life? Or he's older than her in real peers. life. Yeah, but uh, Oscar's got to do what Oscar's got to do. And that's really all we got here. So we just see that John Adams is laying his hand out. Yeah, we'll see how that shakes out. Uh, Larry is just in the background. They they wish he could have stayed a little bit longer in Newport, but he's busy doing. Larry business, I guess. Yeah, Oscar. Oscar's got three years on, <laughs> on Bertha. Yeah. yeah. So who do you want? To, uh, uh, oh, in real life. Yeah. Oh man. I think so I think we should to... do the trial first because I think the the Newport stuff kind of wraps up and there's it, it's the end of the episode. Sure. And it's kind so, of a simple story. Yeah, there's no news until there is news. I, mm-hmm. I mean, George is talking down to his lawyers. They haven't gotten any information for him. They've done nothing. To help build the defense. And he's, he's like, enough is enough, man. I'm, I might need to change this team up. Yeah. Luckily, Marion is shopping at Bloomingdale's. 
Yeah, and a Ms. Dixon mm-hmm. leaves her gloves or her purse or something. A clutch, yeah. I think. And he, we have seen her earlier in the episodes identifying as Ainsley giving George Larry. his... Uh, yeah, oh, yeah, but giving a something to for George to Larry. Right, while Marion is st- standing next to him. Yes, correct. So somehow in the in the in between we see George is on trial and this is very much like a Ross Poldark situation where he's just kind of standing there being all tough and manly. Mm-hmm. It's like I'm I'm ready to take it because I know I'm right and I know that I didn't do this. Yeah. And they're like let's call a surprise witness and a surprise witness. What? <laughs> right, cuz Marion goes and brings the bag bag back to um to George. To George, and, and inadvertently to George. She was just returning it to the house, but she explains to him that uh, Dixon uh, had it. And he's like, you, oh, you mean Ainsley? She's like, your stenographer, D- Dixon. He's like, no, 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 that's Ainsley. And he puts the pieces together. And as you were saying, Dave, they, they surprise her because she, she's running late to the courtroom. And George is like, I'm, gl- I'm glad you're here just in time. Because <laughs> just wait. And he says, you're under oath, lady. This is like surprise court. This is like kangaroo court, like straight up. Like mm-hmm. you're you're on the trial. Who knew? And they call him. But, they call him out. Yeah. And just like Poldark, the judge is like, "Case closed. Get we out found, of here." We found the victim. We we found the perpetrator. We, we mm-hmm. got them. Uh, and yeah, because Dixon is in the crowd, and Ains is like, "I don't know who it is." And then as soon as she starts to go into details, he's like, "Stop! Stop talking!" <laughs> He can't take nice the heat. Not at all. Uh, they they crumple under it, and George has some talking to about her after she gets uh, talking to her. Once she gets off the stand, he's like, "You're not going to work for me anymore, and if you so much as try to find another job, like above the lowest tier rankings, I will make sure that, <laughs> that yeah, you're still. If you're doing anything above scrubbing floors, you ain't mm-hmm. gonna be doing it. Yeah, he's literally going to ruin her." And, I, and you know he means it. There, there, there's no mincing of words there. He's gonna oh, make yeah. sure he'll, that she he'll pay suffers. that that cash to make sure that that happens. And that's the thing. It, it definitely seems like she doesn't realize the severity of what he was in for. Like he yeah, was literally going to go to jail for manslaughter. <laughs> and she, in, in the letter that was intercepted was like something for something about the house, I think. Yeah. So it was totally irrelevant that she that she just took it. And did that. That's what that's from. It's entirely entirely luck. But it it is funny though how uh they had a good plan there where she was just cashing things in, in you know the Dixon name. That's why they couldn't trace it back to Mr. Dixon. They had such trouble there because he was working with her, but mm-hmm. they they figured it out. Well, is is it like his wife or something or just a cohort? I I think is that... it's not clear. Okay. Yeah. I think it's just a cohort potentially. They didn't look particularly like lovey-dovey from what we saw. I mean, that's not really a lovey-dovey moment. No, that, that's true. But George is in the clear. He's going to live just fine. Now he can go back to being a happy man. Yeah. And uh, I guess the big, the, not a really big plot, but we can we can knock out Bertha real fast. Uh, I mean, that's the last plot that we have that to is talk like, about. Yeah, but it, it, there's like the two points. There's this, the Gladys stuff. Sure. The quadrille is still going on, and, and yeah, and that's going to be next week in the finale. They've been hyping absolutely. up this quadrille thing too much. Um, yeah, so we see that she's Carrie Astor is kind of still taking charge. She's like the maid of honor of this party, and mm-hmm. 
Bertha's like, look, I got the outfits all picked out. And Carrie's like, oh, cool. Do our parents know? Are they willing to pay? And she's no, I'm buying them for all of you. It's a gift. Yeah. Like, wow. <laughs> Big flex from Bertha. They are impressed. Uh, still, it seems like Glass is a little bit peeved that Bertha's inserting herself into this, but mm-hmm. it's going to happen. The quadrilles are going to go down. I'm excited to see what this fancy dance is next week because it seems like they're all stumbling over each other in the scene uh, practicing. They didn't have it down at all. <laughs> I mean, now let's hope Gladys doesn't besmirch the name of her mother. I mean, that's entirely possible. That's entirely on the table. I think it's entirely she, likely at this point. <laughs> she can't dance. That'd be hilarious if it was just like she just can't dance to save her life at all. We're the, practicing the, for weeks. The Russells are just dead. They're just DOA. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're done because her prospects are over because they don't like what they, they see there. She can't dance. Mm-hmm. And so so we all get the gang in to go to Newport. And mm-hmm. and is it is it Fish is the one who's asking about George, saying, isn't your husband in some kind of trouble? And Bertha's like, no. Yeah. Yeah, even at the dinner, like, is there any updates in, uh, on him? It's like, oh, no, he just got a, we had already seen how the trial wrapped up, but she literally had just gotten a telegram saying, no, nothing, he's just having a good day. Don't worry about him. Mm-hmm. And we the just f- see that fish, see, is, the, fish is fishing. Yeah, she is absolutely a fisherman. She's always trying to stir that pot. Yeah, but, and, we're, and and this episode does kind of, just, they're just kind of there. They're, and we see that right, they're, days, they're hyping up Newport a lot. Mm-hmm. And I mean, yeah, tucked up in Newport, as the episode is called. Yeah, there's a lot of discussion about buying property. That Newport is the new real. It's fancy there. Place to floss out. It's funny because I think was it is it Miss Fane who talks to Marion early or or Agnes or one of them where she mentions that McAllister is coming, and oh, and Ada says, oh, shouldn't you like worry about him or whatever? And she's like, oh, he's not going to touch me or whatever. <laughs> Uh, There's nothing like, to worry about with old Ward. Yeah, he, he's not going to make any moves. So, something about Brandy. She's They're like a Brandy. <laughs> I'll be as safe as Brandy, she says. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they do mention early on that Aster is doing some renovations out there, uh, the Aster mother. Mm-hmm. And we see that, that Bertha's curious about those renovations being done. Right, because she she potentially wants to buy their own like summer home out there in Newport. Mm-hmm. That would be nice. I mean, McAllister's pretty loose lipped. He's like, it's a two hundred thousand dollar house. It's it's pretty nice. Uh, and the whole thing like, could we go? And it's like, no, we can't. Yeah, let's not go there. <laughs> Dave, what did you think of like um, them sitting outdoors? It looked green screened sometimes. It did look green screened. It looked pretty green screened. What would it have killed them that much? Just go out on a beach somewhere and just. Put or a just bench. drive two and a half hours to to Providence or, not, or Newport yeah. or anywhere. Would have been that difficult. Or bring um, to Martha's Vineyard or something like that to just shoot, make it look this, like it's you're out there. Yeah. Or Long Island, go to the Hamptons. It's not that far a drive. Not at all. They're all in New York. Yeah. But anyways, as you were saying though, McAllister and Bertha are getting on, and you know the. the he he, show, he shows her a few homes, but after enough conversation about the Astor House, he's like, you know, I could show you it. We can we can get away with that. She she, goes, she, I, she, I know Mister Hefty. Yeah, he he does the, the helper there, Mister Hefty, and he knows that she'll be out on the town for a few hours, just no, more she, than enough she's, time. For, she's coming back to town to Newport today, so that mm-hmm. she he basically lays out that the new routine is that Hefty gets there two days early to prepare. 
So mm-hmm. Hefty's got a couple hours left to do some work around the house before she shows up. And uh, Aurora, I believe, is there. Aurora, Bertha, and Ward go mm-hmm. over. And we see that Ward, as much as he is a social... Uh, what would you say? He's a social deal maker. I mean, they call him a social animal in this episode. So whatever he is, we see that he's so not he's, ab- he's not above grease he's a social and social Yeah, oh yeah, he's to he's Timon adjacent. Yeah, he is. He's very much Timon. So he, he definitely slides Mister Hefty of like a five piece. And he says, "Can we just like walk around the the living room and show Bertha?" Mm-hmm. And they're like, "Okay, sure," and. They're walking around the living room, and who shows up? Oh, Ms. Astor. in the house. We, we do see her briefly in this episode talking to her daughter. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think just to reinforce that she's not crazy over the, the Russells. Mm-hmm. We don't see much of her. Um, but, yeah, McAllister suddenly is like, oh, we need to get you out of here, Miss Russell. You, can, you can't be seen in here at all. Uh, and so what he does is put her, push her out the side door where she's essentially in a chicken coop or, or where they have all their, their food to, to chop up for dinner and everything. Yeah, like and butchering the chickens out there. This, yeah. is, this is one of the most effective scenes that I think Julian has done in, in a lot of the things that he has done as far as a mm-hmm. visual scene. And even her, and also just Carrie Coon's acting. Like you see mm-hmm. on her face, her reaction to everything. She is horrified or mortified. She's like, yeah, and, and disgusted at the same time. Yeah, they don't need to tell us. We we just know that this is not good for her, and there's going to be some re- repercussions. But the thing is, did you think she was going to turn around and go right back in and scream at Aster? It looked like she was contemplating it. Like she wanted to say something, but she she kind of stayed within herself and just knew it wasn't the time to do that exactly. But also a real humbling moment. This is not you know, and as much as Ward humors her, he still plays the game to the point where he won't defend her honor yeah. he will push right. her down the side door and say well i mean mccallister almost like a little finger type he's got to stay close to the people who got the that's powers. a very apt comparison this that's right on the nose yeah that's how he has any power is just to stay close to who has it and i think that's pretty much the episode that's where the episode ends with her as the, as the servants are plucking feathers off the chickens and knowing her anger i'm surprised she doesn't just pick up like a, a cleaver and just go to the chickens you know she, she's got that rage she got to keep that dress held together. That's true. That is true. Good episode, Dave. Yes, I think so. I think there's way too many loose ends going into this finale. This would have. It's a lot. We got to close off old Treacher, but that's there's still too many un, unsolved mysteries going into the finale that I'm I'm a little worried that it's going to be bloated. Yeah, yeah. I mean. I, I do like that this episode didn't call attention to that. It was teeing up the finale, but mm-hmm. it left a lot there for us to kind of be looking forward to for next week. Guesses on how long the finale is going to be, Dave? I could see an hour 20. Yeah, I could see him going back to that. Maybe a full 90 if we want to be like a holiday special. I hope not, because I'm watching these as soon as they come out on Monday nights, and I'm I'm tired. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're I don't want to watch that. I mean, I, I, I think if the finale is... You do want to watch it. Just, I do want to uh, watch it. I just want to You want to enjoy it at your pace. Yeah. Leisurely. Yeah, absolutely. I, I guess we should also, you know, I should take note of the fact that the trial is over and George is in the clear, which was probably the the biggest what's going to happen thing. And mm-hmm. it does also tee up how important the women are. And Julian definitely knows who his target audience wants to see 
in the main event. If this is two night WrestleMania, George Russell main events night one, Bertha main events night two. Absolutely. Well, we got power rankings to get to. We do. You want to start? Who's going down? Who's who? Number three. I got number three going down. Bertha. Same. She's, you know, with the chickens and stuff. She's kind of made to be lesser than she is for a brief moment. She is not too pleased about it. Well, made to be lesser than she is, or put in her place. She's put in her place. That's pretty much yeah. You you nailed it. She's put in her place. So, number three for Bertha this week. Not yeah. not a good moment for her. Uh, number two, I got George's legal team. They're terrible. Oh. They they don't do anything for George, and then it falls upon George to pick up the little detail from Marion about you know uh, the Dixon Ainsley thing, and then he pretty much got himself free. His legal mm-hmm. team didn't do anything. He should have just fired them. He didn't him. need them. It's terrible terrible <laughs> what are you doing there uh yeah honestly just fire them all dave who, who do you have at number two i got armstrong at number two okay because i mean it speaks for itself she didn't lose her job but she acted hastily in a racist move to sort of position herself above peggy sure and just got obliterated we see what happened to banister i don't think it's gonna be a good finale for armstrong We'll, we'll see. Well, well, number one, I got uh, Ainsley and, and Dixon. Same. It's really no... Even though we just met him, that, that yeah. promo that George cut saying that you won't be scrubbing floors and that's it for the rest of your life. We, we don't even need to know you. <laughs> it was nice meeting you. Bye-bye. Good luck with your life. It's over, uh, essentially. Yeah. Done. Brutal. Just brutal. Uh, well, Dave, who's going up for you, man? Well, going up, I got John Adams. I got John Adams at number three also. What a good guy. I don't know. Good guy is the right word. I think he's putting Beefcake. himself in a position to... I think we... we I, I just totally forgot that he was John Adams. Yeah. Uh, throughout most of this show because he is such a second fiddle to George. And yeah. this is a week where he says, no, if you think this is a game where you can just sort of position yourself to be happy and... Have your secret be safe with some innocent young girl. I can do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Do Do you think that Julian missed the window to have Giamatti reprise his role as John Adams, but as a different John <laughs> Adams in this show? I mean, I think that I think that Julian missed, misses every opportunity to not include Giamatti whenever he can. Should but I think should've. Nathan Lane has a little Giamatti quality to him. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, John Adams. He's doing he's doing the work that Oscar isn't right now, so there you go. And he's he's and he's I think he's he's just trying to sabotage Oscar, I think. Absolutely. Just to say it's not that easy, man. We love each other and you can't just screw that up because you want a safe life. Mm-hmm. Well, who's number two for you, Dave? Agnes. I got Agnes at number two. Okay. Because I think this is a this episode, there's not a lot of up. I mean, obviously number one will be who number one is. But yeah. Agnes is presented with this information that in, in anyone else would be, you know, you're fired and she acts in a human way. I think we're seeing that she's a lot deeper than I think someone like the Dowager Countess is, at least at first. I feel like every episode they have this reminder of like, Agnes is human. She maybe have all these quips and be, you know, sharp with her, her words, but it's like, no, she's human. It's like, I, I get it at this point. I get it. Just give me more screen time with her. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I feel, But I feel like we're teeing her up to have an important plot, maybe in season two. 
Maybe. I'd hope so. <laughs> yeah, if not, we're screwed. I want to see her do more. Yeah. yeah. Christine Give, give Ada something more to do. I feel like she's been the big S- dud same. overall. I do, I do like Ada's little plotline here. Of like, I don't like Armstrong. I don't like her. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> Why didn't you sack her? I don't like her. Okay. I never All liked right, her. <laughs> yeah. Well, who's um, your number two? Who do you got at number two? Peggy, man. Like, Own your to, truth. Be, yeah, to, to be able to deal with all that stuff and and say, you know what, I'm done here. I'm going to walk out and be strong enough to move back in with your parents and stuff like that. Good for her. Good for Peggy for keeping her health. I mean, up, it's head, head for me, it was just hard to get over the fact that she walks out. Okay. Yeah. And, and not to say she doesn't have her pride, but I feel like I feel like Peggy's going to ramp back up next week. There is something nice, though, that with the episode ending for her with her mom ringing a bell to get her stuff. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like over here, you get to kind of live nice. <laughs> We'll see. Yeah. Number one, though. That's the big man. It's got to be George again, right? <laughs> no one gets one past him. Even if he was going to jail for manslaughter and he got to tell Miss Ainsley that thing that he says as he's going, you could have had him in chains at the guillotine and he said that and he still would have been number one. That's an all-timer. The guy's got so much power, man. <laughs> Morgan Spector, man. Give this guy an Emmy. Yeah. Uh, he's great, uh, and he's one of the guys who from uh, Broadway who's really well regarded as far as I, I, I'm aware. Like I've, I've heard his reputation precedes him, so I'm just glad to have been introduced to, to him on the show. He's great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, I think that's it for this week on the the that's it. We got one left. Yeah, we've, we've talked predictions. I mean, is there anything else that we think that this show might do? Because I really don't know. Um. I don't know. I, I really, there's going to be something blowing up with Rakes and Marion last next week. I imagine absolutely mm-hmm. they have to resolve that. The Peggy stuff still, kind of seems like it's put to bed for the most part. We know what's going on there, so I, I could see that being static for the most part. She there's can, so much she can in. assist Marion and then go exactly. into season two with some momentum on her side. Right, still writing for the newspaper or whatever. And hopefully uh, we get what's his name the the ball guy <laughs> Watson. Yeah, Watson can have some finality, or and even just like, uh, why did they introduce this Monsieur Bodem thing? <laughs> if they got so many so many balls in the air for next week, and I, I just so mystified. Unless he he's so flustered he screws up, and we get another sort of church situation from the episode a few weeks oh, ago. That's true. Yeah. Uh, Does Turner show back up in the last episode? No, I think they'll put that to bed for, until next year. There's just too many things to resolve. I feel like. We still have to have Agnes meet the Russells or, like, go over there and actually spend time with them or interact with them, right? That, that could be mm-hmm. something. Ada's got to do something. I don't think it'll be this season, though, unfortunately. No, it's not going to be the season for Ada, Cynthia Nixon, no. Now, does does Marion say no to Rakes and he rebounds with somebody else? Or do they get engaged mm-hmm. and then we find out a dark secret? Or I'm, I'm very curious. I think curious it's something where she finds him snogging someone else. That's got that's got to be something. Goes to his law office and he's kissing someone. Sure, keep it simple. Yeah, we'll see. Eager for next week though. Absolutely, I'm good. I'm excited and I'm a. Li- it is a little bittersweet because this has been a fun ride so far. Yeah, absolutely. It's coming too close too soon. Aside from that, Dave, have you watched anything else out there in the world? I did. I did. I did go see the Batman. Oh yeah, yeah. What'd you think? I thought it was really good. Very yeah. long. Yeah. Very long. Did you, and you saw it as well? 
I, I did warm a mess the whole time while people around me were just munching on popcorn and stuff. I'm just sitting there with my with K-95 your green leather on. mask on and your Warby Parker glasses. I, I don't wear those. Uh, but, like, I mean, that's what the Riddler wears. Yeah. Yeah. I was not dressed as a Riddler. No, 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 no. Um, but yeah, I, I wasn't as hot to it as you were, Dave. Well, I mean, what would you think, love about it? I just thought it was it was visually very cool. Mm-hmm. Thought Pattinson was good. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things that these movies you're not they're not going to ace the tone that I want them to ace. So, like, if you're going to do it this way, I have fun. Yeah, I just felt like there was just for me there wasn't there definitely was no no not enough heart in it. I don't think they even tried to really make it an emotional thing because they almost kind of come in with, to it with the assumption that like, you know who Alfred is, you know Bruce Wayne's story, and it's like that, that's true, but. When there's like some like moments that happen with like that those pieces of information, it just doesn't land because it's like I, I, st- I still don't really know this Batman exactly, mm-hmm. and and why that should really hit me as hard as it should. It, it d- just didn't. And then just intellectually, like some of those puzzles that the Riddler was leaving behind were like, man, this is like what is this like a crunch uh, cereal box or something like that? <laughs> you know, de- de- deciphering some of these codes. There was one about like, is it a bat? And it's like, am I am I like two steps ahead of them are they just dumb or is it like what's going on here I mean, Batman gets have... beat up a lot so he could just be like concussed that's true that is true he does and, get shot <laughs> a lot yeah, of people lot. shooting Batman <laughs> yeah I, I just felt like there just wasn't going on, on enough intellectually to stimulate me but I, I agree with you visually and like sonically and everything like it was very transporting very much a mm-hmm. mood <laughs> uh, it just I just wish there was more going on it's like for me to just like chew on to think about and I will say I watched something else and I yeah. will segue this in the fact that we have had a really tough time because of our personal lives and, and things going on and the fact that this Gilded Age show has kind of taken up a lot of our brain space doing Patreon. Yeah. You you got me into something that I think is something that needs a Patreon episode in and of itself. Oh, yeah? And Love is Love, Blind? Love is Blind season two. I think I'm more than halfway through it. It hooks you, right? It totally gets you in there. It's well, I mean, I because I, I said I didn't like the first season at all, I thought it was yeah. dumb. And this season is uh, boy, they're they're characters, it's different, right? it's different. Yeah, yeah, that's what I've heard from everyone else. Because, like, I was asking, should I watch season one? They're like, no, it, it just won't hit the same. There's like, one, the one couple in season one that's interesting, and the rest are yeah. sort of plain. Whereas this one is, oof, take your pick, <laughs> they are a lot going on. So, I mean, we don't need to discuss it because I do think this is the kind of meat on the bone thing that would be a fun Patreon. Okay. episode to discuss so we'll, we'll do that we will do, do that because i mean it's so this is like can't and it's one of those things that i think like i'm literally saying to our audience that we don't have time to dedicate to patreon stuff but sometimes <laughs> you got to turn your brain off when, Dude, when you're working and doing all these life moves and stuff like that me. <laughs> this is it's candy times it's, it's yeah. candy and it's necessary candy i think so absolutely what about anything well, else on your end no, it was just Batman. I watched uh, the Turning Red, that new movie on Disney Plus. That was really good. I liked okay. it a lot. I think the good, trailer good, looks really stupid, but I know it's Pixar, so it's, I'm sure. Visuals it's, are fantastic. Yeah, I highly recommend. But aside from that, no, I just just been busy, man. <laughs> I get it. We're all there. Yeah. yeah. But aside from that, uh, I think we can wrap it again. Another episode that's almost an hour, and uh, we'll catch you next week on the finale of the Gilded Age. And you can find us on Instagram, Twitter. Facebook, and you can find all our podcasts. You want to hear people talk about Downton Abbey, you can find all of Fine. them. Oh, yeah. Come at us. Anywhere where you get po- your podcasts and on our Podbean website. So, And again, special happy St. Patrick's Day to, to Tom Branson. 
and all of our there Irish characters and listeners. So slant it to all Saint of Patrick's you. Day. Yeah.